Hi, this is Collins John. You're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Dylan Chavas and I'm joined by Mr. Fulham Focus himself, Dan Smith, the fastest man in the Focus ranks, Luke Sargent, and a very special guest, ex-Fulham and Netherlands striker Collins John. Join us as we go back over another rollercoaster week for the Mighty Whites who saw us gain three points, leads us two wins away from the Prem and rather unfortunately also involved one frustrating loss. Well, lads, it was an up-and-down week for the boys, wasn't it? As we backed up an excellent win up north with a rather dismal showing at a riverside of our own. Ultimately, though, we're closer to promotion than we were this time last week and still with a chance of going up against Derby later this week. As good Fridays go, Sarge, that would be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think we're in a, we're in a pretty good spot. We need, uh, I think we need every now and then that sort of kick up the bum. We, we've had it a few times. We had it at Coventry away, obviously. West Brom before the international breaks. We've had a few that, you know, just, just liven us up again. And I think as we go into this run in now, we've got some tough games still to play. I think it's quite good to just get that little wake up call as we sort of head towards that final hurdle. I think it's quite important that we finish the season strongly. I don't think we really want to carry any poor form into the start of next season. I think we want to, you know, finish the season strongly and carry that through so that we end up starting off sort of where we left off. And that can only obviously be a good thing if we're, if we're winning games right the way through to the end. Yeah, Dan, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like now it sort of feels like promotion is sort of all but confirmed. A few of the players are sort of on the beach and I just think we need we needed that sort of loss at the weekend for um, not kick up the bum as such, but just a reminder that the job isn't finished and we, we sort of have to finish strongly, really. I mean, I saw now it's impossible for us to sort of match that Reading points total from 2005-06, but which... As good as we've been, it's just, um, you know, it's still not the best the league has seen um, on paper, which is quite strange. Yeah, it's, it's a, it was a frustrating weekend, but I think yeah, we need to put it into perspective as well. Like, they are only human. Um, you look at the league table and, and, and Coventry are, what, 11th even after that win, so... I mean, they, they, it was, must have been their performance of the season. They, 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 were, they were phenomenal on the day. And to me, they, Coventry looked like a team that maybe thrives on being the underdog with nothing to lose. Um, they could commit more players forward and, and, and take gambles because, you know, no one is expecting them to take anything from the game. Um, maybe that's why they are mid-table because they didn't really have the quality um, given how in control of the game they seem to be. Um, but from our point of view, you know, we, we are pretty much there. I, th- I think Sarge makes a very good point. Momentum is key. I remember when Leicester won the league on the back of a great escape and that momentum of, of winning six games or whatever at the end of the season to stay up, they took it into the following year and just carried on that momentum. So I think how we start next season is, is crucial. Um, because we, we've tended to start slow every time. But it is in our it, it is favourable for us that we are we know we're up. And, you know, with the, the rooms today that we're about to sign, um, that uh, Solomon player, uh, it, 
you know, it, it is clear that the club are already preparing for life in the Premier League, which when you compare that to what we had under Scott Parker, I think we had four or five weeks to prepare for the Arsenal game after the playoffs. You know, it's complete contrast. So I think we'll be a lot more prepared for it. And I think we will. I think we'll bounce back against Derby. I think we'll we'll finish strong. It was just, just you know, these performances happen, you know. And, and I think we've been sport this year. They've been few and far between. And, you know, I, I don't think we've got anything to panic about. I think that's a very knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, no, obviously, um, Mana Solomon it, uh, linked to sign from Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, I think it's pretty much all, all but confirmed. I've seen a few tweets from official accounts such as Fabrizio Romano sort of all but confirming the deal. Um, I feel like that this squad now is much stronger than the other two sides we've been promoted with in recent times. And I think we could reap the rewards of that next season. I mean, I don't want to make any sort of knee-jerk predictions, but I feel like we, we may be all right next season, but I don't want to re- regret saying anything too soon. Let's go back to um, that game on Wednesday, uh, Middlesbrough away. I'm going to bring Collins John in here. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I always I always feel weirdly nervous when playing teams up north away midweek. Uh, Collins, you must you must have played a few of those games in your time at Fulham. Uh, what did you make of the game? Obviously, a huge welcome to the podcast as well. It's a real privilege to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think it was a hard game. Going to Middlesbrough is always a tough game. Every game you play away on the midweek is always different. So, uh, but yeah, you know, Fulham is full of confidence. Obviously, they picked up the win. Great goal by Mitro. Um, like you said before, um, it's always tough to play uh, Middlesbrough. But um, like you said, uh, it was a very good win. Uh, good goal. And you can see the team is full of confidence. Um, keep it in, uh, the clean sheet as well. I think it was a very important uh, three points to, uh, to push for a promotion. Yeah, uh, Mitrovic's ex- expertly placed header put him on 38 goals for this season. At this stage, I am sort of running out of a superlative to describe just how good he's been. So let's put it differently. Sarge, uh, how do you think we would have fared without him in the side this season? Because obviously, you know, even without him, we've we've performed phenom- phenomenally well in front of goal, but I don't think it would have been anywhere near this good without him, surely. Yeah, I think your, your striker scoring goals regularly uh it's, it's so important to the rest of the team. I know there's there's stats that show that even without his goals, we've scored, uh, you know, more more than most teams in the league. And our goal difference is, is obviously phenomenal. We've had goals from players like Wilson, Cabano, um, Fabio's obviously contributed. Um, and even like Bobby Reed's on, I think he's on seven goals after the weekend as well, which, you know, considering he's not he's not played every game, that's not, not a bad return for him, considering that he gets moved around the pitch a lot as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think, when your striker's scoring, it just gives the rest of the team a bit of a boost. So that pressure isn't on for the midfielders to always contribute. And I think when that pressure's off, they're then actually more likely to contribute. Um, you know, we, we can all remember back to, you know, seasons where where we've had a good striker at Fulham, you know, whether it be in, in the Championship, in the Premier League. When your striker's scoring, it just it just lifts everyone's level. It just lifts absolutely everyone's level at the team. Um, you know, if, if you're going up north to these places that we know are difficult to go, you know, it's long travel for the players. It's not ideal preparation when you've got to go all the way up to Middlesbrough. You, you don't get to spend the night in your own bed if it's a you know, Saturday afternoon game or if you travel up on the day for an evening game. It's a long time travelling. It's not the best preparation to play. So, 
if you know that you've got a Mitrovic in your team and you know that you can put balls into the box, he's going to win headers, he's going to sniff out those chances. It just gives everyone that little bit more belief that you're going to go and get those tough results. Definitely. Uh, Dan, I believe you've got a question you'd like to ask Colin, so I'll, uh, I'll let you jump in with that now. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, no, it's just basically following on from the, the Middlesbrough game and, and um, Sarge touching on you know, travelling up north um, to these these long journeys. I just wanted to ask, Collins, you know, we've, we've played five away games in a row um, before the Coventry game. Do you think that had an impact on um, dipping form? Uh, is, is it tough to play so do so much travelling and have so many away games in a row? I mean, I've never heard of having five in a row before. So do you think that has any kind of psychological impact or physical impact on the players? Yeah, probably. To be honest, I, I felt they were a bit leggy against um, um, Coventry Saturday, um, or Sunday, sorry. Uh, they looked tired. They looked, they looked kind of like, you know, not really sharp. Of course, it could have an impact, but um, but then it, then even said that when you push for promotion, surely you want to get three points at home. So it was that was a bit of a shock for me, to be honest with you. But uh, like you said before earlier on, it can happen. Those kind of games, you can lose games. That's football, um, but I'm still confident Fulham's gonna kill it off and uh, be champion. That's for sure. But like you said, five away games. That is that is something. I've never heard of, and uh, it's always going to touch your body a little bit and maybe a little bit of concentration as well. Um, but yeah, it was very disappointing Sunday to lose the game because, you know, when you're top of the table, surely you want to give the fans um, something to share on. But uh, yeah, it was a very uh, bad performance in, in, in the bad loss as well. Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah, no, sorry. I was just going to say that I think we started slow and that gave Coventry the incentive to uh you know get into the game and that's the last thing we wanted to to do we didn't want them to start fast um and, and I don't know, for, me, for me it's it's like sorry for me it just sets the wrong tone when you're starting a game at home with Chalabar and Reed together because they're both negative well not negative they're both defensive minded players and yeah. to me there was just there we lacked any sort of um creative spark in there it was just very slow and predictable. I mean, all, none of the players were good. They they was all um, had an off day, but it just yeah, it to me, day, we I... didn't seem to get going until we took one of them off, and then the ba- the balance of the team seemed to be a lot better. No, I th- I just got to say, I think I've noticed across this season when we started with Kearney and one of Reed or Seri in that midfield too, the balance of the team has been pretty much near perfect because you know Carvalho has come in and. He's sort of taken over Kearney's role over the past few seasons. I mean, when we went up in 17-18, Kearney was the one sort of behind Mitrovic, you know, feeding, linking the play with McDonald and Johansson behind them. But Kearney sort of filled in that role, which I guess would have been Johansson's in that team before. And Carvalho has come into the team, which has really made a sort of near perfect balance. But with when it's Reed and Chalabar or Seri and Chalabar, the balance just, it's good. For this level, it's very, very good. Don't get me wrong, but it just seems a little bit, a little bit naive in some games, I think. Collins, I don't know what you what you were going to add to that. No, no, I just want to say, I mean, this season, I mean, let's just all be honest. Fulham had a great season so far. I mean, to have the strike, to score 38 goals, whatever it is, like you just said, Wilson, Bobby Reid, um, everybody has a great season. We shouldn't forget that. But one thing, what is kind of like, 
you know, makes it a bit weird. We had some bad games this season as well, like a couple of, you know, rough starts and slow start, like Ben just said. And then you lose maybe two in the truck. And then, but you always bounce back quickly as well. So hopefully that's the case uh, this time. We will bounce back and just fill up the, the, the season well and make sure we go to the Premier League and prepare well for next season because surely we have to change you know, a few things. Because for the last three years, we've been going down and, and, and up. So hopefully uh, we can change that. Yeah, um, no, definitely. I think I, I think we'll be we'll be all right next season. I just wanted to move away from the sort of midfield debate and move to a different position in, on the pitch. That would be goalkeeper. Uh, I thought on Sunday, Marek Rodak, um, I think he's, he's come under fire a bit for his performance. He made a couple of individual errors. And um, I think those combined with obviously the actions of, our, of others ultimately cost us the points. Uh, the finishing on display at the other end wasn't great, but obviously Tim Ream, you know, another stellar performance from him, but he he gave the ball away for the third goal. And I just wanted to sort of pick everyone's brains, really. Do you think we'll be looking for a new keeper in the summer? I've I've seen us linked with um, Ariola, but um, I do feel a bit for Rodak, playing well all season and then to be faced with another year probably on the bench. Uh, Sarge, what do you what do you sort of make on his situation, and what would you do if you were in his shoes? It's a tricky one because he's essentially going to be the number one keeper for the last two promotions that we've had, and both times he didn't necessarily start the season when when we got promoted before Bettinelli started the season. And this season, Gazaniga started ahead of him for the first few games. It was it was Coventry away, wasn't it? That uh, that sort of put the nail in Gazaniga's coffin as the starting keeper earlier on. So it's, it's harsh on him, but I think you've got to look at you've got to look at when we went up under Tigana. Mike Taylor was a top quality keeper. He was he was a very very good goalkeeper, and I would suggest he was he was better than Rodak is now. But when the opportunity came to sign Van der Sar, that, that took it to a whole nother level. He was a different calibre of goalkeeper. And I think if, if we get the opportunity to bring Ariola back, it's, it's the same thing. He's a different calibre of goalkeeper. He made saves that you don't expect him to be able to make. And more importantly than that, he doesn't make, and this is the same with the best goalkeepers in the world, they don't make those little mistakes. They're just consistent. They're just reliable. Every keeper will have a moment, you know, over the course of their career. But generally over the course of a season, those top quality keepers, they don't have those moments that cost you points. And if we have the opportunity to get a, a keeper of the calibre of Areola or someone else, I think we have to take it. Because as good as Rodek has been, there are levels, you know, there are levels to certain level, like certain players. And when you're talking about Areola, you're talking about someone that's been in squads with Real Madrid. PSG, you're talking about a different calibre of keeper. So if he's available, then we should take him. I think also on that, Rodak, he had he had a moment. There was there was some like ironic cheering at the weekend after he made a mistake. He gathered a ball in and there was like an ironic sort of way. And from our fans, I think that's really poor, considering he's been a promotion keeper for the last two goes he's had at it. You know, is that is that helpful? Is it supportive? We're meant to be there to support the team. Yes, we had an off day. We're still 10 points clear of the league. I was just a bit disappointed to hear fans sort of almost mocking him a little bit after he'd made probably, you know, his only real big error this season. I know he's not always been perfect, but how, how many times has he cost us points this season? I, I can't think of any apart from this weekend. So to hear that from the fans, I just thought it was really disappointing. 
Yeah, I think it is poor. Dan, I know you've got a point you want to make, and I'll let you come in. But I just I was listening to a podcast with um Casper Smichel on the other day, and he said that um with goalkeepers, they're sort of the the things they do well are sort of taken as a given and taken for granted, and the only things that are picked up on sort of by pundits, by fans, are the um you know the mistakes or the the, the kicks that they they take to the they take to the opposition or the the saves that go through the legs or fumbled. And sort of the the excellent saves and the bits they do well that are actually really hard are sort of never never appreciated. I think Rodak's been you know by and large he's done an amazing season. He's definitely a crucial cog in the team as is any keeper really. But uh, yeah, no, I I think it was I thought it was poor when the uh, the fans gave him that sort of uh, sarcastic cheer at the weekend. Yeah, Dan, I'll, I'll let you come in now. Yeah, I, I felt for Rodak at the weekend. I thought the the you know sarcastic cheers when he. Um, caught the ball was unnecessary. I think we've had a fantastic season. It's, I don't know, it's just, yeah, I, I thought that was poor as well. I agree. He's obviously um, lacking in confidence at the moment. I think there were signs at the Borough game that he kept on flapping crosses or trying to punch it. And he's just, he's just never been the most commanding of goalkeepers. Um, he, he doesn't come for crosses. When, when we are, are facing, a, defending a corner, I think he always looks quite vulnerable and and quite easy to to bully, and I think that's a. I, I think the, the the rest of the team seem like they've they've lost a bit of confidence in him to claim the ball, and and obviously when you're coming out and punching the ball, unless you're going to get some distance on that, if you're just going to punch it back into your own box, all you're creating is more uncertainty, uncertainty, and, and more chaos. Um, so, look. I think he's done very well for Fulham. I think he's going to have a, a bright career, but at the moment he's a championship goalkeeper. That's not a criticism of Rodak. I think he's, he's a top championship goalie, but there's a big difference being, between being a top championship goalie and being uh, an established or a good enough goalie in the Premier League. It's, they're miles away from each other and, and there's no shame in admitting that. Um, can see in the conversation at the side that Collins is suggesting Sam Johnson, which in um, which is quite interesting. So, Collins, yeah, is that is that who you would go for? I, I thought, to be honest, I was just listening to what you were saying. I was you were spot on, to be honest. I think Rodak is a top championship goalkeeper. Um, the club of Fulham has to go for the best, also because for the last couple of years we've been going up and down in the leagues. So now we need a statement signing. So, and goalkeeper, for me, is one of the key positions to keep you up. And um, all respect to Rodak. He's done brilliantly for, the, for us for the last couple of years. But for you to make a statement in Premier League, I think that's a position you can, you can replace and you have to replace. Um, Sam Johnson, I still think, is a better goalkeeper, in my opinion. Yes, West Brom hadn't, uh, hadn't had a, a good season this year. But for me, he's a slightly better goalkeeper, also experienced in the Premier League as well. And, and to be honest with you, he's also an England goalkeeper. I know he's the third England goalkeeper, but still, he has the, he has the personality to, to play in the Premier League and he's, he will be free uh, transfer this uh, summer. Uh, you're hearing maybe Man United and, and Tottenham. We both know he's going to be um, a second goalkeeper there. So why not Fulham go for him? So that was one of the names I thought... Mm. That's an interesting one, but of course, if you can get uh, Ariola back from uh, from um, from Real Madrid, I think he's alone at West uh, West Ham. 
obviously that's uh, number one choice because he has done brilliantly last year for us. But uh, yeah, I think Sam Johnson is a good name. I think also, sorry to butt in there, I think another thing you said about Man United and other clubs like that being interested in a goalie like Sam Johnson is that he he's a, a tick, ticked box on the quota for homegrown players you need in your team. So like having a second or third choice goalkeeper, we see Chelsea have got Marcus Bettinelli and we've seen it plenty of clubs down the years that have a random um, second or, or third choice goalkeeper that's, that's homegrown. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I could see why that would why that would favour us because then we could focus on maybe um, players from overseas um, further up the pitch. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if I'm honest, if it's the choice between Ali, Ariola and Sam Johnson, you know, Ariola for me all day long. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. wouldn't say no to Sam Johnson on a free. I think that would be quite a good signing for somebody. Collins, I was just wondering, obviously you're an outfield player, you played up front. How important is it for the rest of the team to have a goalkeeper that they, you know, they really believe in and that they feel they can trust? How much does that sort of carry through the rest of the side? Honestly, I just said it. Goalkeeper is one of the key positions in, in, in the team. If a goalkeeper is shaky, he will give that effect to the defence, surely to the striker as well, because sometimes as a striker... If you know your goalkeeper is going to keep the nil or you know the big chances is going to keep the nil, you only need one goal or two goals. But if you know you're, every time you have, to, you have to score one more, if the goalkeeper is going to have a stinker, then obviously it's not a good feeling, is it? So I think goalkeeper is a massive, massive key part of your team. And to be honest, I, I was lucky enough to play with Edwin Fonosai. He was an outstanding goalkeeper. He just knew he was going to keep you in the game. So as a striker, he was always confident one or two goals would be enough to win the game. So... Um, no, I absolutely agree with uh, what Dan what he just said. Um, as a Fulham supporter, and I'm still am, uh, for the next season, we're going to the Premier League for sure. So you need a goalkeeper who's a bit better than Rodak. And, and all due respect to, to the goalkeeper, he's done brilliantly for the last two, two years, what I just said. But for, for us to make a statement, I think the goalkeeper is one of the key positions you have to replace. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that. I think uh, I think even just as a character, you know, you have to be able to rely on the goalkeeper to be a sort of seven or eight of ten every single game. You have to be able to look at him and think, yeah, he'll be all right if we can just sort of rely on him. Especially now, the way football's played, you know, we've got two fullbacks in Nico Williams and Anthony Robinson. They're bombing forwards, and they need to know that if they get caught out at the other end of the pitch, which is inevitably inevitably going to happen a couple of times a game. They need to know that they've got a goalkeeper behind them, as well as two centre-backs that they can trust and is going to be able to bail them out should the situation arise. Well, actually, I wanted to move on to um, on from a player who's uh, linked with a move away or could move away to one that looks like he's definitely out the door in the summer, which is unfortunately uh, Fabio Carvalho. Uh, that is a bit of a stinger, if I'm honest, but at the same time, it's completely inevitable. You know, if it somehow falls through this summer, which by all accounts it won't, you know, I think the deal with Liverpool is pretty much a formality now. Um, and he'll only be around another season max, won't he, if he stays. I think he's different gravy as a player. One of the best technical players I've seen in a Fulham shirt. I mean, you know, compared to you, Sarge and Dan, I mean, I've, I've not been able to support Fulham as, as long as you have, I don't know. But I think only Moussa Dembele sort of really compares. Um, you know, I love watching him and it'll hurt see, seeing him ply his trade in other colours. But, you know, when you're Fulham and a club of this size and this sort of position between leagues, I think you've just got to accept that this sort of thing is part of the package. Collins, I, as well, you know? 
Yeah, Collins, I just wanted to ask you, uh, you obviously joined Fulham aged 18 in January 2004. It's a big thing moving clubs at that age, isn't it? You know, you're leaving the club where you came through the ranks. Uh, but I guess as a footballer, you, you sort of stand to gain more than you lose in that sort of situation, don't you really? Uh, based off your experiences, do you think he's making the right decision? It's a tough one. Uh, I thought about it for a long time. Let me just first start. He's an outstanding player, by the way. I mean, it's, it's been a long time. I've, I've enjoyed watching a player for that calibre in his age as well. His touch, his, his, his energy. He has no fear. He's, he, for me, he's, he's a very, very good player. He can be a world-class player in a couple of years' time. Going to Liverpool is a bit of a tough one, to be honest. I know Liverpool look a lot of uh, young players to come in. Jurgen Klopp is a great manager who actually loves working with young players. But I just think at this age of time, Liverpool is just too much for him. And also because he's coming from the Championship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I fully understand he's taking, the, he's taking the chance to go to that club because he's a great, wonderful football club, great manager, great history. You know, they're fighting for titles, obviously, in the Premier League. So um, I know it's, it's a tough one to say no to, but if I was him... I would choose for another club instead going to Liverpool at this age of time. But um, like I said, um, I fully understand he's taking the chance, isn't it? So it's very hard to turn down the Jurgen club. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is just one of those where, you know, it may never, if he says no this summer, it may never come round again. But you look at the calibre of player that Liverpool have. They've got, um, you know, Salah, Diaz, Mane. Uh, Firmino, Elliot. I think I think he's actually better than Elliot. But uh, Dan, I don't know. I think at this age, um, a, a footballer's sort of most valuable currency would actually be minutes rather than their paycheck. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you you think he's making the right decision or not. Uh, I'd be interested to hear, hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, I'm I'm no tactician, but um, I always understood Liverpool to well, recently anyway to play like three up front, and we play four two three one, and he. He always plays behind the striker. I don't really see Liverpool playing with that kind of player. So I don't, I don't really, even if he was good enough to walk into their starting level, I don't really know where he's going to play. But, you know, listen, good luck to him. If he goes to Liverpool, I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he'll, um, I think he'll have a really bright career. Uh, I think he could have benefited from playing for Fulham in the Premier League next year because I think he would have played a lot more games. But then, you know, he's, at the end of the day, it's very hard to say whether a player's making the right or wrong decision by taking a gamble and going to a big club. You know, Harvey Elliott clearly made the right choice. He he, he fits Liverpool like a glove at the moment. And then you look at someone like Ryan Sessegnon or Patrick Roberts and you say, well, no, they clearly didn't. But so, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he's fought thought about it you know he, he could have gone in January he's obviously stayed um, I don't know I don't know what to say really I, I don't think keeping Fabio is going to be the be all and end all of Fulham staying up I think it would have been very naive and, and almost ludicrous to rely on an 18 year old for survival next season so I, I don't think it's going to impact us that much it's just obviously if we kept him on a longer contract he's worth a lot more than, than we're getting for him um, which and that's frustrating. We've got to somehow find a way of stopping these talented youngsters going for almost you know pittance. But yeah, you know, we've we've 
we're going to be promoted early. We've known for a long time that we was going to go up. So they've had plenty of time to prepare for life without Fabio. Uh, they must have known he was going to go. They must. They, they know we're going to be in the Premier League. I'm going to be very disappointed if we get to, you know, pre-season and we haven't signed three or four top players. You know, I, I know it's not always that simple, but they've had more than enough time to pre- prepare for it. So good luck to him, you know. But um, once he leaves Fulham, you know, it's sort of like it's what happens to his career is not really my problem, yeah. is it? Really? No. <laughs> yeah. asked, but, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do. Fulham's got to do what they got to do. That's football. It's the way it goes. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. I think, though, you know, the recruitment from the club recently has been quite good, really. You know, Nico Williams, a solid signing in January. Um, you know, Harry Wilson in the summer. I think he's actually on loan from Liverpool and the £12 million is going to be paid this summer. Yeah, and, and I think that, that, might actually be, that might actually be one of the, um, the things that softens the blow of losing Fabio. I, just, just, there's just a gut feeling for, for me that, you know, when it, when it didn't go through in January, I was like, well, it clearly didn't end on bad terms because, you know, they wouldn't have given us Nico Williams, surely. So, mm. I don't know. Just part of me feels like there's a gentleman's agreement there and I wouldn't be surprised to see Nico Williams stay. Um, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get a cut price for him or he'll stay on loan, but it wouldn't have surprised me if, if that ends up being part of the deal in a, in a roundabout way. Yeah, I'd, I'd like it if it was so Sarge. I know you've got a bit you want to say, so I'll let you jump in here. I was, I was just going to say, I think there's there's two places, there's two points of view on this. The, the first one being, how does he get on at Liverpool? I think, you know, in terms of him going to Liverpool, Liverpool haven't missed on a transfer for a long time at this point. Everyone they've brought in has had an impact. I mean, look at Diaz that's coming in January. I mean, I'll be honest, I hadn't really heard of him before he arrived. He's hit the ground running. He's been unbelievable. Salah was here with Chelsea, went off to Roma, didn't really get a chance at Chelsea, came back, bang, golden boot winner. Mane signed from Southampton, did well at Southampton. But, you know, did we see enough to suggest he was a sort of Premier League winning calibre player? I'm not sure we did. Turns up Liverpool, they've got that one right. Jota comes in from Wolves. He, was, he wasn't even getting in the wolf side a lot before he joined Liverpool. Now he's at Liverpool. He's one of the main men. So, you know, I, th- I think Liverpool do, they, they do the right thing when they sign players. They know what they're getting. I don't think he's going to go there and, and get wasted. I, they don't sign players and waste them at Liverpool. They, they've got a very good setup there. They know what they're doing. When players go there, they tend to flourish. So from that point of view, I think, you know, he's, he's made the right sort of call. He's gone to a club where he knows he's going to get the opportunity and, you know, he's got to back himself. He's, he's going to, I think he is going to be good enough. He's 19 now, you know, two or three years. Salah and Mane are going to start sort of drifting away a bit from that, from that starting 11. Let's talk about Salah's contract at the moment. Um, there's space is going to open up for him just as he's hitting his prime years. So it's, it's the right move, in my opinion, for his career. It's a shame. I would rather we had him, but you know that's that's the way football goes. From Fulham's perspective, I, I'm not sure that we play with a, a an out and out ten next season the way we have done this year. I, the way just looking at the way Silver's played at the last few games, playing Chalaber and Reed together, 
Um, I can see a world where we play sort of a, a sitting six, so like a, a Chalaba type player that sits in front of the back four. And then we play with two, what you'd call more traditional eights that do a bit more box to box work rather than have someone that's job is to sort of sit behind the striker. Because I think, I think Marco Silva is starting to prepare for life in the Premier League and, and knowing that we have to shore it up a little bit. Um, we're not going to, we're not going to be banging five, six, seven goals every week in the Premier League. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, we're going to have to make sure that we are we are tight at the back, as we were talking about before. Collins made a great point. If you know that you're going to keep goals out at one end, as a striker, that takes the pressure off of you. You only need one or two. You're going to win the game. So I would just say that if, if Fabio's leaving and we don't sign a sort of a direct replacement, that probably suggests we're not going to play with, with that 10 in, you know, in, in the coming season. We'll probably look to play sort of three more conventional central midfielders maybe. Yeah, no, definitely, Dan. I, I know you've got a question that you wanna you wanna propose to all of us, so I'll let you uh, take over the role of host just for the just for this question. And uh, yeah, the floor is yours. <laughs> no, no, it was just literally one word answers from all of you. I just um, we've all had our say on on the Fabio move, and I don't disagree with anyone there. I, I think in the long run, I think it is going to be a good move for him. So I've made a very good point that the the players Liverpool are depending on at the moment will come you know, to the end in the next couple of years. They're, they're, they're getting old um, and he is the future. So I think from a long-term point of view, it's a good move. I'm just going to ask you in the short term though, you know, are we going to be in a year's time? So this time next year, are we going to be saying that this was a, a good move for Fabio? Is he going to have a successful season at Liverpool next year? Or do you think he's going to spend most of it on the bench? Just one word answers. Is he going to have a good season next year for Liverpool? Yes or no? I'll say no. Uh, yes, from the perspective of a 19-year-old who's just joined the club, I think he'll think he'll worm his way in there and get some minutes. And by the end of the season, he'll be a, a different player to the one that joined. Collins? No, I don't think he will get enough time. They have so much material. We forgot a few names, by the way. We forgot uh, Kaita. We forgot uh, Thiago. Uh, we forgot uh, Chamberlain. Uh, they've got so much names and I know they have a lot of games as well but I don't think this is the right move for him to be honest with you and I know Jurgen Klopp I just said it he turns average player to a top top player that's that's for sure I just think just can come a little bit too early for him but even said that I understand his move to go to Liverpool because it's very hard to say no to Jurgen Klopp but I don't I think, think this, is a, this is the right move for him I, th- I think he's going to have to um, fit in quickly um, to convince Klopp that he's he's ready, because obviously Liverpool aren't like a, a West Ham or you know a, or a Tottenham or even a, like a Man United that, that are on the fringes of they could be good next year. They might you know they they don't know what kind of season they're going to have. Liverpool are up there. There's pressure all the time to deliver. You know every trophy. And I don't think Klopp's just going to give away appearances for the sake of it. He's only going to play if he thinks he's good enough to play. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to to um, get into that team. But um, yeah, Sarge, finish with you hey, then. We've got two to one here. We've got two to one here on um, no so far. I, I, I have to say, I, <laughs> I, I disagree with pretty much everything you just said, Dan. <laughs> I don't think there's any pressure on him. I don't think there's any pressure on him because they've got the calibre of players they've got. When you've got Salah and Mane, they're not relying on him. He's going to have time. He doesn't, yeah. ha- he doesn't have to hit the ground running. He doesn't have to hit the ground running at all. 
He's 19 years old. They've picked him up. You know, he's got time. They're going to they're gonna ease him in. He, the pressure's not going to be on him. Yes, yeah, there's no, a different I, type I, of pressure. I, but yeah. I think he's, 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 he's there to grow with that team. And what will happen is, is he won't ever be in a position next season where he is expected to carry that team. He'll, he'll come into the team with one of, or sorry, probably two of, Salah, Mane, Jota also in the team alongside him. Like two of them are always going to be playing. So the pressure's not on him and he'll be able to just fit in. The pressure won't be on him from a defensive team standpoint in that they're going to be so busy focused on Salah and Mane and Thiago and whoever else. He'll probably find that he doesn't get the, you know, the same attention he gets for us now. I've seen people saying that he's sort of, his, his form has tailed off since the sort of the January window closed. And I disagree with that as well. He hasn't scored as many goals. He's still contributed five assists, I think, since he last scored. Um, and teams are now looking at him as he's like a main threat. So when we set up, when teams set up against us, they're trying to stop him. He goes to Liverpool. They're not looking to stop him anymore. He's going to start finding pockets of space. And I think, I think for a 19-year-old, what Dylan said, the expectation of what is a successful season for him is different at Liverpool than it will be at Fulham. He won't be expected to play every game. He won't be expected to score all the goals. So I think he will have what is, relatively speaking, a successful season. I think oh, I make that 2-2. Two, right. two. Late level wait, from Sarge. Yeah, Extra time now. Fulham. Um, yeah, well, whilst we've, uh, whilst we've been away, uh, Don, the American who's uh, stitching his pod together, he agrees that Fabio Carvalho is making the right move. So I make that a superb 3-2 comeback win for the team. I don't know, I'm going to call it Team Dylan Sarge Don. An excellent win and uh, three valuable points in the bag. I just want to qu- quickly touch on a new rule that's coming into play next season. And that is the five sub, the five sub rule. You know, was good in terms of player protection. It does seem a bit pointless to me. I mean, I think it was Gary Neville who said on Sky Sports the other week, uh, it sort of takes away that sort of tactical, you know, the tactical debate for managers. What is the point in naming a starting eleven when you can sort of just change half of it during a game? That is going to make those sort of hard headaches just non-existent, really. And I think it really does only benefit the big teams, you know, those sort of Man City, the Man Cities, the Liverpools, the Uniteds. I mean, if you can class them a big team anymore. Um, but even across the last three games, you know, Man City had a total total of 11 changes available to make, you know, two lots of three in the Prem and then five in the Champions League, yet they only made seven. And these are sort of the same bodies and voices, authorities sort of complaining about congestion and player protection. You know, effectively the reason the changes have, you know, come come into come into force, really. Uh, Dan, something doesn't quite add up here, does it? And how do you think it's going to affect Fulham next season? Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I don't agree with it. I, I don't understand why we need to change things for the sake of it. Um, I think three subs is more than enough. Um uh, yeah, I, I think the Gary Neville point about um, tactics and and you know it is it, it's, it's a good point. You know what what's the point in um, a manager focusing on his tactics when he can you know it, it does, doesn't you can't really judge how good a manager is when you're giving them the opportunity to change five players if they get it wrong. You know, like it just it gives them too much scope. I think, and obviously, the bigger the squads, the the more benefit it is. To, to, to that manager. So it is going to favour the bigger clubs. I think everything always is catered to the bigger clubs, every decision. Um, how will it affect us? 
Um, I I don't really know, to be honest. No, definitely. Um, yeah, but, uh, Collins, I just wanted to sort of ask you, you know, because um, I was doing some research recently and I found that you're actually um, one of our top five most used uh, substitutes, uh, I believe in the uh, sort of all time, really. You know, you came off 64 four times off the bench and um you know your first your first two goals actually for the club um came off the bench in a 2-0 win against Leicester City um I just wanted to get your your thoughts on the uh on the rule change well it can benefit the top teams can benefit the teams who are struggling uh, uh underneath the uh, underneath the table um yeah I, I kind of think it's kind of a strange what Dan just said. It's kind of a strange why they change it because I think three shots was kind of like what we knew and what we always uh, found uh, okay with football. But um, I think also the COVID uh, situation kind of didn't help as well. So I think a lot of coaches kind of asked for to have more uh, substitution. So I think it's split only, to be honest. I think there's a lot of people, it's kind of 50-50 on it. So... Um, my opinion, mm, I don't know. I think it can it can turn out to be a, a good thing in the end. We might sit here next year as uh, exactly one year from now, and we might say, you know what, the five substitution helped us to uh, to stay in the Premier League, or, or we might think, you know what, do you remember that game? Um, the coach made uh, four substitution and we lost the game. So it's kind of a fifth fifth story really for me. But for me. If you ask me, I thought you just keep it with free substitution. I think that was enough. But um, yeah, we will see um, in the future what's going to do to football. Yeah, definitely. Let's, uh, Sarge. I don't know if you've got anything you want to add on that point. I think it's. I think it's a stupid change. I mean, if you think about when you're looking at the, the sort of the structure of the league, you've got your top six teams. Their advantage is that they've they've generally got a squad good enough that their second string could turn up and win most weeks. So those managers have the opportunity to rotate. We talked about it earlier with Liverpool. They've got Salah, Mane, Jota, Luiz. Uh, uh, they've got Firmino. They've got all these players that they could play and rotate. You know, they, they, could, they could swap their whole front line. They could swap their midfield free. They could, they could swap players in their back line. Joe Gomez has barely played this season, but he was playing for England a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, the, the leveler for, for the teams in the sort of the mid-table, bottom half of the table is, is when you turn up to one of those teams or when they turn up at your ground and they've had to play European football midweek, the leveler is that you've got a little bit more legs than them. That's, that's kind of what you bank on. If you can make five subs midweek and then you can make five subs again at the weekend, you can essentially, your whole outfield team only has to play a portion of each game. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't understand how we get to a point where we're just consistently giving more and more advantages to the top teams. And, you know, we, we've come from a time where there were no subs. I mean, and you know, this is before my time, but there was a time when there were no substitutions. Now we're at a point where we've gone from three to five. I play on a Saturday and, you know, what, what are we going to do next is have roll on, roll off. It's, it's just stupid. Yeah, no, I, it does seem a sort of a needless change, you know, if you don't. If it's not broke, don't fix it sort of thing. Um, so as the season draws to a conclusion, I just wanted to sort of, you know, reflect a little bit and sort of look look forward to what's to come. I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, who who do you think will go up with us? Um, I'll open that one up to the floor. You know, my, for my sort of uh, penny's worth, I think, 
you know, the maths obviously points to Bournemouth, but I have a sneaky feeling that Forrest might pull something special out of the bag. Um, yeah, it's weird because, you know, when we played them in October back at their place, you know, we completely blew them away and you'd have been mad to think anything might come of their season as such. I think when we beat them, we left them in 14th or 15th place. Um, but yeah, who do you think will be coming up with us? I guess we've got the uh, the second spot and then the playoff winners, haven't we? Well, I'll go first in. Um, I can't pick Bournemouth because it's just, that just, I know, <laughs> we got, uh, I'm going to upset me mate Collins over there because I know he's good friends with Scott. But um, listen, I, I can't, I can't pick Bournemouth to go up. It just, it just goes against the fairy tale. So I think they're going to fall short somehow um, and Forrest will pip them. So I think realistically, Forrest are the only team that can catch them. Um, and I think momentum at this stage of the season is really important. And Bournemouth seems to be losing it at the wrong time. And if they was to somehow lose second place and go into the playoffs, I don't, I don't think that they they do it. I really don't. Um, I know they lost at the weekend, which was quite a surprise. But I'm going to say Middlesbrough to win the playoffs. Uh, for me, they're the best. They're one of the best teams we have played. Uh, even though we beat them, it was a really hard-fought win from our point of view. And um, you know, I, I watched Huddersfield Luton um, last night. You know, it's it's staggering, really, that they're in the top six. And you know, it just shows you um, how weak the championship is compared to the Premier League. It, it was a quite a quite a poor game. Can't really see either of them two having enough. So, yeah, I'm going to go Forest and, and Borough. And obviously, Fulham to be champions. Yeah, of course. Collins, who do you think? Yeah, it's only one name is Bournemouth. They are definitely going up. Um, two reasons. Solanke is on fire. Um, I know he hasn't scored for the last uh, two games, but that guy's been on fire. He's been. I think after a metro, he's been he's been a form striker in the league. Um, obviously, they signed the kid from uh, from Liverpool, centre back. Uh, where is it? Williams, I think. What's his name? Um, Nathan oh yeah, Williams, Nathaniel Phillips. Yes, exactly. They signed him. He's a, he's a good signing. Um, they got a very good goalkeeper. Yes, they have uh, taken one point for two two games. Uh, the last two games, they took one point. But uh, after Fulham, I think they're more consistent um, team in the championship, and they will go up easy. Uh, and I agree with that. I think Minister will win the playoffs. Yes, I think uh, Nottingham Forest haven't got the strike force. What uh, what the other teams have? So I think uh, when it comes to the playoffs, Minister will win it. And I also think uh, Chris Wilder is an outstanding coach as well. So I think they will win the playoffs if they uh, if they make the playoffs, and then. Um, after Fulham, of course, uh, Bournemouth will be the second team to go to the Premier League. And not because Scott is my friend, but um, I've watched uh, Bournemouth a lot as well, like Fulham this year. And I think uh, they have a solid team and then they, are, well, they will be second. I mean, yeah, no, me, no. And you nearly, me and you nearly fell out last season towards the end because I was so negative about <laughs> Scott Parker and you kept on trying to defend him on WhatsApp and stuff. And uh, in the end, well, I had to, to read him, him yeah. I thought, Thought I was upsetting you. No, not really. To be honest with you, I was right because he went to a half decent team 
and it looks like he's going to go up again. So he, I don't think he's he's a bad manager, and he proved it. He's, he's proved it. I think, so uh, I think I think we've I think um, we've both we've both been proven right. One, he's shown that he's good enough because he's doing it again with another team. But two, I think the contrast in styles and the way the manner in which Fulham are going up. It's exciting to watch, you know, all the goals they've scored. I think it's also justified from my end that Silver's... Yeah, absolutely, but Fulham's As a fan, Silver's team is more exciting to watch. That's, yeah, that was my biggest problem. Collins, we scored, we scored nine far, goals at home far, last far. season. I'm just going to leave it there. Nine goals at home, man. Yeah. Mitro's got 38. I know. I mean, he's not good enough. Absolutely, he's not good enough. I, I never defend uh, Scott. I just said the team we have got last season, they were all championship players. And let me, let's be honest. Uh, and that's what I also think you're spot on. I think we need more signings to, to actually stay up in the division in the Premier League because all these players, they were there, they were there last season as well in the Premier League. So and they were not good enough that, that, at that time. So why should we be good enough in the Premier League next season? So we need at least five, six additions to the squad. And uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Go on in, go on in Sarge. What, what, what are you saying? Bournemouth are going up, aren't they? Let's, let's not be silly. They're, they're going up. They've got two games in hand over <laughs> Huddersfield and they're four points ahead of them. They're going up. I'm kind of with Collins on on the Parker thing. I, I was I was a bit of a Parker, not Parker defender, like but like last season, if he'd have stayed at Fulham this season, I, I wasn't against it. I, I think if he'd have stayed with Fulham, I think we wouldn't have scored the goals we've scored. I don't think it would have been exciting as it's been, but I think Scott Parker would have done enough to get Fulham promoted again. I think he's a good enough manager to have got us up again, and I think he's he's shown that he's good enough because he's going to get Bournemouth up this season. Um, after that, I think in the playoffs, um, I, I just have this feeling about Luton. I, I don't know what it is. I can't shake it. I, I think Luton are going to do something special. And I just think it'll be hilarious to watch Premier League teams go from playing at the Bernabeu midweek in the Champions League to Kenilworth Road on a Saturday. Well, Chelsea did that and nearly <laughs> lost, didn't they? But did, it's a I, I, No one wants to play there. It's horrible. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those places, you know, the crowd's on top of you. Well, it's practically in some people's back gardens as well. But yeah, no, it's definitely one of those grounds where, you know, get the crowd will get on top of you. It'd be a horrible pitch and, you know, they could sneak a few results should they go up. I just wanted to sort of, you know, ask you, do you think if Scott Parker stayed at Fulham this season, we'd be where Bournemouth are now and Bournemouth just wouldn't be as, as where they are now, though, if that sort of makes sense? Their manager last season, towards the back end of it, was Jonathan Woodgate, I think. So, do you just sort of think it would be a case of the quality of the league might be even worse? Yeah, he was their man, wasn't he? He they, they yeah. wanted him. They made it very clear from the start he was their man. And so, if they hadn't got him, I don't really know where else they would have gone. I think we would we would still be up there. I think we would still be fighting automatic promotion places. Look, they started the season. What was the run they went on at the start of the season? Did they win their first? They, they won like the first 10, 11 something game. I, I can't remember what it was. The first game they 11, lost 11, was against 11. Preston, and that was on the 27th of November, I think. No. Yeah, they, we they were unbeaten the for a long time. They, yeah, they really yeah. did start the season really well. He knows what he's doing. He especially knows what he's doing at this level. And I think the other thing is, I know Dan mentioned it, they, they're on a bit of a, a slow, like a slope at the moment. Their form's dropped off. But do you remember after lockdown? 
um, when we first came back in the Championship. We lost those first two games against Brentford and Leeds. And then he pulled it together and we we made sure we got in the playoffs and then we won the playoffs. And he does have these shaky moments and he has had these shaky moments in the league before, but he is always able to pull it, pull it back round and get them to get them over the line, get them where they need to be, at least at this level. We couldn't do it in the Premier League with Fulham, but I think he'll he'll get them up. He'll he'll sort out their form at the moment and they'll finish off strongly enough to to take second. No, I mean, yeah, I, mean no. I don't, I don't disagree. You know, I'm not surprised to hear the other two say they think Bournemouth are going to go up. You know, I mean, I'm just being childish, hoping that they don't. But you know, I, I could see Forrest catching them. I don't think it's, um, you know, beyond the realms of possibility that could happen. Forrest have the momentum at the moment, and uh, they've they've still got to play each other. They've still both got to play us, so we're going to play a key part in in that. And um, they've played the same amount of games, so. I don't know. I still don't think it's it's hundred percent done. But anyway, to answer the other question, Dylan, do I think we would have gone up if Scott Parker had stayed? Hundred percent, because I don't think he's a bad manager. Um, I think we would have still won the league, but it would have been like watching paint dry. And to me, yeah, that man. and to me, that is why I'm so happy he's not here anymore. Simple. As yeah, that. no, that's what I was getting no, at. I don't really so feel we'd, like we'd anyone could argue with that because the stats back that up. You know, would Mitrovic have scored 38 goals? No, he probably would have got about 20, 25. Yeah. You know. Would he, he have scored yeah, yeah. 100? No, we probably would have scored about 70. Because we yeah, wouldn't, no, wouldn't have scored that. 38 goals, but he wouldn't have been there. He'd have left. Tell you the difference. Huddersfield away. First away game of the season. We're 3-1 we're up. We go down to 10 men. Harry Wilson gets sent off. There's about 20 minutes to go. Scott Parker would have brought on about five defenders. If he could. And yeah, he would have next season. <laughs> yeah, whereas um, Silva went the opposite and knew that Huddersfield, he said after the game, Huddersfield had to go for it. So there was going to be gaps behind. We brought on a couple of fast players and caught them out. We ended up winning the game 5-1 because he brought on Cavalero and someone else, Bobby Reid, I can't remember. But Yeah, he brought on Cavalero. I think he brought on Zambo and Gisa mentality as well. Rather than a cautious one. And I think my hope next season is that that positive mentality rather than the cautious one will turn draws into wins. And I'm hoping yeah. that will be the difference. But yeah, no, I, sure I don't think, be. I don't disagree. I think Scott Parker is a, a good manager, you know. I just think it's, um, you know, all fans want different things and I I prefer to watch fun foot, uh, entertaining football. You know, the results aren't the be all and end all for me. You know, this, this season is memorable and the last promotion wasn't really. So for me that's 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 just it, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you there. So let's move on. Derby on Friday then. You know, it could be a promotion party. I think that does depend. I think Forest need to lose to Luton rather than Luton sort of getting anything from the game, which, you know, is um it could happen. Um how do you see our game? How do you see our game going, Sarge? I see us bouncing back from the weekend. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna get the three points. We're gonna get closer to winning the league. I, I think it's it's one of those where Derby I think will make it very difficult for the first half hour or so if they can get through the first fifteen minutes. It, that sounds a bit weird. What I mean is if if we don't score in the first fifteen, they will they will sit in and they will they will try and grind something out because they are fighting for their lives. I think they go down if they lose to us on Friday, uh, mathematically. So 
if they can get through the first 15 minutes, and we've seen with this Fulham team what Marco Silva has done with them, we do come out of the traps blazing sometimes. If they can get through that initial storm, they will start to make life very difficult. But I think ultimately we've we've just got too much quality. And unfortunately for them, they they don't have enough quality, which is why they are where they are. I know they've had the points deductions, but they're they're not going to be good enough. They've not been able to to close that gap and bridge that gap this season. We're going to turn them over, I reckon. And I think really, depending on what obviously what happens at Forest, but I think, you know, I've backed Luton to go up. I think Luton will get something out of that Forest game and that's pretty much us done. Even if it's a draw, the goal difference means that we're we're there. So I think this week, this Friday is going to be a, be a fun evening and uh, and then we can have a nice weekend. Yeah, a very good Friday indeed. I think we'll just do a quick rip, whip round to get a score prediction from everyone. I'll go for I'll go for three nil Fulham. I think you know, a couple of Mitrovic goals and maybe a Harry Wilson free kick in there against his old club. Yeah, Danny, I'll start with you. Then we will go to Collins. Then we'll finish with you, Sarge. Yeah, I'm going to contradict myself here. Um, I'm going to go for Forest to draw with Luton, and then we'll go and win, and that all. I mean that then it will go down to goal difference if if anyone's going to catch us and we know that that's never going to happen. Our goal difference is thirty four better than Forest, so that'll be it. And then it'll be a promotion party, and it'll be um, I think for a certain generation, you know, older generations. My mum and dad um, were there in nineteen eighty three when we played Derby, um, a very controversial match, and um, it was a, ironically it was a game where they were fighting to stay up and we were fighting for promotion to the top for that. And, you know, their fans invaded the pitch with a few minutes to go and, and basically the game didn't finish. Um, like the most controversial moment in Fulham's history, I would, I would say. And I think fans of that generation will never forget it, never forgive it. Um, so to go there and get promoted would be quite wonderful. And, and a shout out to Robert Wilson, who was playing in that game and he got kicked by the fans surrounding the pitch. And, you know, I know he's most likely going to be there, I would imagine. Uh, what a moment that'll be for him if um, he sees his team promoted at Derby. You know, a Derby that's going down. And, you know, I don't mean that horribly to Derby, but I just think, you know, I think karma has its way of coming round, even if it takes 40-odd years. So I think that would be quite a special way to get promoted. Um, and I'm going to go for 4-0 because I think they're... I think it's a good time to play them. I don't think they've got the fight in the belly anymore like they did a few weeks ago. I think I think they're down. They're down and they're done. So yeah. I think I think this this Friday's the day. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very good Friday. Collins, what do you think? Score prediction. Yeah, um I think it's it's gonna be a free note for Fulham. It's gonna be a big Friday party. I think Mitro is gonna be on fire. I think Luton's gonna win, you know. I got a feeling with Luton. I think they're going to win against Forest, and then obviously that's that's automatically done as well. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, like what Sergi said as well. I think it's going to be a big bounce bounce back uh, for Fulham after a disappointing loss against uh, Coventry. I think it's going to be a a, a lot of goals. Uh, Mitro is going to be on fire, and I really think the players is going to be very very dis- disciplined and uh, eager to score goals and to win the game and make sure the Premier League status is, is there and uh, make some history. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun uh, fun day as uh, Friday. Yeah, definitely. Great minds think alike there with the score prediction as well. Sarge, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's going to be 4-0. Uh, 
going to get a Mitrovic hat-trick and Harrison Reed's going to score his first Fulham goal. It's going to happen. That's a bold prediction. Bold prediction, but I love the... I love the bravery of it. I think, you know, if Reed gets his goal, that'd be one of the most celebrated all season. I can't think of anyone who deserves it more. Well, you know it what, looks Matt? like... Sorry, just back in there. Um, fun fact for you. Um, there's only, I think, four or five players post-World War II that have played over 100 games for Fulham and never scored a goal. And Harrison Reed's on about 97 appearances. So, and not scored. So, I, I, I back that from Sarge. I mean, I can't think, can't think of if if Mitchell isn't on for the record in that last game and we get a penalty, you've got to let, you've got to let Reed take it. Can't think of a player I'd love to see score more than him. Yeah, no, it would be it would be amazing. I think the only thing I'd um, I'd love to see more than Reed score for Fulham would be an Alfie Mawson thirty-five yard free kick. Um, but apart from that, I think I think that would be pretty amazing. Well, between us, we picked two three nils and two four nils. So if we're somewhere, if one of us is somehow right, that'd be an incredible night. That's for sure. You know, I'm sure the I'm sure the travelling support will be able to egg the boys on to what would be a crucial victory for us all. Well, I think that's um, I think that's us pretty much done for this evening. It's been a a whirlwind hour and a bit, but uh, safe travels if you're uh, heading up to the game on Friday, or indeed if you're just at the game on Tuesday. Enjoy that one as well. We'll be back next week to sort of review review both the Derby game and the Preston game next week. I believe you'll be hosted by uh, the wonderful William Oakley, who's uh, even younger than me. But we'll see how he uh, he fares in the, in, the, in the hot seat. But yeah, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, uh, have a lovely week. I think that's all. Come on, you whites. Fulham.